Hello and welcome to this, the sixth episode of the One Foot Down podcast. I'm Joe Schuler, and tonight we are going to celebrate the end of what has to be one of the longest uh, off-seasons in the history of Notre Dame football. Folks, we are getting back to football, and to celebrate tonight, I've got two of our wonderful One Foot Down football experts here. Uh, first uh, among us is the mighty Eric Murtaugh our uh, head writer and uh, resident football expert. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Good. How are you doing, Joe? Good, thanks. And also joining us, playing rigs to, uh, to Big E's Murtaugh tonight, is our newest OFD staff writer, Mr. Paul Ringney. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Glad to be a part of this. It's good to have you with us, man. So guys, football, we're getting ready to start. No more <laughs> off-season, no more girlfriends, no more anything else. We're going to actually start playing some football. Um, so what I thought we'd do tonight is start by taking kind of a big-picture look at things. Let's look at um, Notre Dame's schedule for this year, guys. We've got, you know, of, of our 12 games, we've got three kind of distinct groupings of games, I think, uh, when I look at it. And you know, the, our standard disclaimer here, guys, is that one foot down, you know, does not condone illegal betting in any way, shape, or form. But, hey, if you're happening to look at some of the point spreads, uh, you'll see that a full half of our games, six games this year, the Irish are already f favored by as much as, um, as much as two touchdowns. Or, I'm sorry, as many as ten points. So we've got double-digit favorites in up to, you know, half of our games. So, guys, across those games, Pitt, BYU, Purdue... Navy, Air Force, and Temple. What do you guys see among those? Do you see uh, any of those causing us more trouble than what Vegas thinks they're going to do? Is anyone there not getting enough credit? Well, first of all, I'd probably look uh, directly to BYU in that uh, group of teams. Um, I believe it was plus 11, and uh, I have to think that point spread has fallen, but I'm not sure. Um, I know for uh, my summer preview, I had that, I think, at four and a half points. So that's quite a deal lower than what uh, Vegas opened at. And um, so out of that six, out of that group of six teams, uh, BYU, I think, is most definitely the most difficult. Um, other than that, I just kind of, like, broke these groups, uh, these teams down into uh, other groups. I think Temple, Navy, and Air Force, obviously the weakest teams. Um and I think the spreads are uh, pretty accurate there. And I think um, Purdue and Pitt, um, I, I, it's tough to gauge those two teams. Um, Pitt could objectively be pretty awful this year, but um, they seem to play Notre Dame pretty tough. And uh, the same goes for Purdue. Obviously, they played Notre Dame really well last year. Um, but uh, I think the only one out of that group, I think, right now that really worries me is BYU. Yeah, clearly Pitt and Purdue look at us as um, Super Bowl level <laughs> games. So it's always, and I know Vegas doesn't necessarily account for that, but uh, you know, of those, it's always interesting to see how those two two teams react. What do you think, Paul? You see anyone in there that that isn't getting their their due? I actually, along the same lines, I was going to agree, uh, essentially, with the gist of what Eric was getting at. I think BYU is definitely the team that's always given us fits. Uh, even when uh, we had Charlie Weiss and we were airing the ball out with Brady Quinn and everything in 05 the weekend after USC, you still had, they just wouldn't go away. And it, w it wasn't really anything 
uh, fancy that they're doing. They're just a very physical team, and we don't uh, um, we don't really put teams like that away very easily. Uh, I also was going to put Pitt up there, but after Russell Shell decided that he wanted to go to UCLA, and then he didn't want to go to UCLA, and Paul Chris wouldn't let him back on. I think when you 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 have to look at the fact that Pitt may have some trouble this year, and uh, with regards to simply just uh, the teams that we have those spreads against, I think BYU very clearly is the one that you have to look at and be concerned about. I I agree, guys. I think we've got consensus there. Let's let's you know presume that our our boys make it unscathed through that that portion or that grouping of opponents. Let's take a look at the second grouping because I think there's a really interesting set here where the current spreads are all uh, the Irish are favored, but the spreads are less than a touchdown uh, favorite. So we've got Michigan State, USC, Arizona, and Oklahoma in that group. Uh, is anyone in there getting too much credit? Too little credit? You know, is that about the right order there? You know, so MSU, USC, Arizona State, Oklahoma. You know, how how does that break down for you guys? Where do you see um, the Irish's best chance, and where do you see the biggest risk in that group of four? Well, I think I kind of uh, jumbled these around a little bit. Um, I think USC is the toughest out of that bunch, um, just because um, they're talented on both sides of the ball, and I think that can be pretty dangerous. Um, even when you factor in uh, Lane Kiffin and you know some of the nonsense that goes on there, or maybe their quarterback situation and their lack of depth, um, there's a very real possibility this is going to be a really good USC team um, that could uh, put a hurting on Notre Dame like they did two years ago. Um, the second toughest out of that group I have being Arizona State. Um, again, I, when I was looking at um, these spreads, I just I looked to see if are you strong on one side of the ball. Um, and I would qualify BYU as being very strong on defense, so uh, you know I think that's why they're a good team. And I think Arizona is pretty strong on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, good defensive line, a good front seven on defense, a lot of playmakers on offense, a good quarterback, and uh, just the nature of that game, I think, kind of tucked away in the middle of the season on a neutral field presents some challenges. And then um, I originally had Michigan State as the next team, but... Um, I think there's so many concerns with their offense. I would put Oklahoma ahead of them by a little bit, but uh, I think Oklahoma has quite a bit uh, to work with as well. They got some questions on defense, and uh, I know they just named their starting quarterback, and it's not Blake Bell. So um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, they shape up this season. But um, for me, I want USC, Arizona State, Oklahoma, and then Michigan State there. Paul what, Paul, what do you think, man? I'm pretty much along the same lines. However, I, I would also throw in Stanford, and I think that if Stanford... Oh, yeah. we, we've got we've got the Cardinal coming up, Paul. I mean, we, they they are the one team that we're actually not favored against. But let, let's oh, okay. stick let's stick with where we're, where we're already ahead. So sticking uh, with the four, obviously, yeah. I think with everything that's coming out that you're reading on the the from the practice reports from USC about Nelson Aguilar. You really have to be concerned about USC on the edges because regardless of who their quarterback is, you're talking about potentially two NFL starting wide receivers eventually lining up against our secondary. And while our secondary is pretty strong, 
they're always a team that is just chock full of talent. Um, Oklahoma is sort of the question mark for me because of their quarterback situation because I know Blake Bell didn't get the starting job, so it's going to be interesting to see how Stoops will incorporate him and sort of adjust their offense. Their defense definitely um, lost some players, uh, definitely lost some players. And um, when you look at a team like Arizona State, you have, like – Eric said, you, you want to look at teams that are, are good and solid on both sides of the ball, and when you have a player like Will Sutton that Arizona State has, you have to be concerned about uh, our running game. Would, would the pistol work? Would we be able to get to the edges? Would our line be able to keep him in check? So, uh, and, and I, I think you may have a situation where this may be one of the first Shamrock Series games where you have a team that actually gets up for it. And I think Arizona State, of, of those four, is the one that, outside of USC, I'd be very concerned about. Yeah, I wonder how much in the build-up to that game we're going to hear about the administrative snafus and and, and, and uh, snubs and all the other things that, that have been built up around that game uh, on the periphery of it. Uh, I tend to agree with you guys. I think that that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm of the thinking that the Michigan State line you know, again, with as you guys said, with their offense, offensive struggles, that's one that actually could end up slipping into that double-digit range as a range as we get a little bit closer. If the Irish play well in their first two, and Michigan State looks anything less than stellar in their first two, I actually think they could drop back into that other group. So uh, I have a lot this, of questions on the offensive side of the ball for them. Amen, brother. And I think that could leave, but I think it leaves an incredibly strong group of three. I mean, as I said in my preseason pick, that, that's a, that's a that's a a very tough, uh, tough bit of sledding. So okay, now let's look at the last two, and I want to look at each of these individually with you two guys and pick your brains on both. Uh, the first is the uh, neighbors to the north. Uh, right now, Vegas has our game under the big lights and in the big house as a pick'em. Um, are they really that much better than the four teams we just discussed, guys? And 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 how many points? Right, you know, is Vegas giving them for being under the lights of the big house here? How much is that worth uh, in that spread? Because do, do you see Michigan that separated from a from an Oklahoma or a USC? I don't really think they are. Um, when you try to look at look at it objectively, but as a Notre Dame fan, you have to start throwing out all these qualifiers. Um, you know, just one win there in almost two decades. It seems like um, I think the 2005 game, Weiss's first year, is that the last? win in Ann Arbor. Um, so I think I would favor Michigan in this game by about a point and a half. Um, I feel like that's pretty appropriate. Um, I don't know. We'll see how the the point spread swings after the first week, but I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan's a, a point and a half to two point favorite. Um, but objectively, I think, you know, if I was going to rank them and we were playing them maybe in the second half of the season, I would probably put them fourth toughest on the schedule, but early season game, um, I think they're they're pretty good on both sides of the ball. Um, I think if you look at matchups uh, like positional matchups, we definitely have them beat in a lot of areas. Um, and obviously, them losing Jake Ryan is a big blow. Um, they obviously just lost their wide receiver, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, so. Uh, 
Yeah, I think you know playing in Michigan's tough. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. I think you're seeing the odds are and the spreads are basically reflecting. I think past history and emotion because it really doesn't matter whenever we play Michigan who's the better team or who's the worst team. Um, just visions of of 2011 are just haunting my brain. That you just <laughs> you can are and you can just see something crazy happening. And I I think that I, I'm along the lines of you. I think on paper, with with the exception of you know, they have a a, a pretty solid one side of the line. There's a lot of question marks for them. Um, I think you're also. I, I think the wide receiver you're talking about was uh, Darbo. Yeah, Amara Darbo. That's it. That, that, that there's just. Will Gardner be able to get somebody the ball? Is Gardner the second coming of Denard Robinson? I mean, it, it, there's a lot of unknowns for them. That I think that's one of the reasons why it's uh, the spreads reflecting what it is. I'll actually go as far to say I think if Golson was still the quarterback, I think Notre Dame would be favored in that game. I think you're just seeing sort of a reaction to uh, events that have affected Notre Dame, uh, and the fact that the games at Michigan are is sort of keeping the the spread at Pickham. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I I don't think. Um... Just looking at their defense, I think they're pretty solid. Uh, they have a pretty good history of playing Notre Dame tough, and I'm sure they're going to be amped up for that game. But on the other side of the ball, I know um, the quarterback, Devin Gardner, uh, he's pretty dynamic. Um, I know I spent most of the summer kind of trying to, to mess with the hype around him, but he does offer a pretty high ceiling. Uh, he's going to be athletic. He can run. He's definitely going to be a better passer than Denard Robinson. But at the same time, you know, he hasn't started that many games. Um, you look at the running game, Toussaint's coming back from an injury. He's looked pretty good in the spring. Um, behind that, the running game really doesn't have great depth. Um, I know their true freshman green will probably be a backup. Um, I'm not too scared about him right now. He's about 260 pounds. I don't think he's going to have much success against Notre Dame on the defensive line. And then uh, you look at their wide receiver core, and without Darbo, um, you know, there's not a lot to offer there for Michigan. Um, I was just looking at their roster, and with the 247 composite scores, uh, they don't have a receiver that was rated over 900. So, you know, there's just not a whole lot of talent there. They do have a couple scrappy, smaller receivers that are good, but, uh, you know, offensively, Michigan's just not that scary. But you always have to factor in um, their quarterback play and, you know, just kind of imagining Devin Gardner pulling tricks out of his uh, rear end or whatever. So yeah, uh, I believe that's called uh, pulling a Tate 4 C8. But um, that's right. what, what I'm wondering is, and, and you guys have both alluded to it, which is I, I've been told long ago that football isn't played on paper, it's played on grass, or in this case, you know, plastic and chewed up tires. But <laughs> the idea is, you know, if, if I take if I take an eraser and, 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 and scratch out the... Uh, the names of the two sides, and just put the talent on paper. Um, you know, is this really a pick 'em game if I just list out the recruits and the and the talent and the athletes that are taking the field, or or, or is is you know, how many points is that emotion and that home field and the the revenge factor worth here? Because uh, you know, if if I'm going to throw out a theory here, guys, and I want you to either agree or debunk, which is 
if you take away the under the big lights and under the big house and you take away the kind of Michigan always plays Notre Dame tough and I just look at the talent here, I think this is a, you know, Irish by five, Irish by six kind of spread. Uh, am I just being a homer here or uh, am I thinking about this wrong? Go ahead, Eric. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, I would be more apt to agree with that if Golson was still the quarterback. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I said, if you match up, if you want to go through the rosters and match up the units, um, our defensive line is significantly better. Um, you know, the linebacker units, I think, are a bit of a wash when they don't have Ryan in there. Um, they have a pretty good secondary. We have a pretty good secondary. Um, I think they have a little more questions on their offensive line, and uh, I feel pretty good that Shembo and Tuit abused uh, their line last year. And uh, like I said, they don't have that many playmakers on offense. And uh, I think we have more there as well. I, I, I'm completely agree. I, I think when when you look at it, just the, the only edge that I think Michigan would really have simply on paper is the intangibles. The fact that the game is in their place, that it's in prime time, that they will be able to fill the building with a, a clear majority of their fans that they'll be able to 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 sort of control the the emotion. Um, but the the other thing I, I would mention is while I I do uh, believe in Bob Diaco uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, they're they're uh, Greg Madison put together an absolutely excellent game plan against us last year. And we had all that emotion that they're going to have this year, and he really buckled down, and he really got that team going. And I think it will be very interesting to see if Diaco is able to uh, basically zero in on a specific game plan, a specific mindset. Now, I know that Kelly had basically taken the foot off and was playing pretty safe and secure with regards to the decisions that Golson was making and putting in Rees last year, but you don't have that anymore. So what type of game plan are you going to put together uh, that can sort of mimic in the same way what Michigan did to us last year to kind of take the, 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 the crowd and the emotion out of it up until the very end? All right, boys. As much as I enjoy creating fodder for Michigan message boards, which is a lot of fun, <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to trying to get us to piss off the Stanford fan. Um, I think he's out there in California somewhere sitting on what Vegas is calling a five and a half point um, favorite for Stanford. You know, five and a half points uh, spread over Notre Dame for Stanford. Um, what do you guys think about this one? I want you to each I want you each to bust out your crystal balls. This line's not going to stay at five and a half forever. Which way is this going to? tip by the time you're d finishing your Thanksgiving turkey? Are we looking at, you know, talk, tell me about the scenario you foresee uh, coming out of Thanksgiving and coming into that time with Stanford. What do you think, Eric? Um, I'd say that line will probably drop a little bit. Um, in my Pac-12 preview, I had Stanford losing a couple games. Um, obviously, it's the last game of the season, so they'll have lost those games already. I have major questions about their offense. Um, kind of alluded to it on the site. Um, if this was the Notre Dame team we're talking about, I think our fans would be freaking out right now. Um, they have a good offensive line. 
Um, I don't know if I would call their offensive line great. I know a lot of people would call their offensive line great, um, but I think their offense is um, kind of, in a sneaky way, very dependent on uh, the quarterback keeping teams off balance. And once you didn't see that last year, uh, without luck there, you know they had a pretty hard time running the ball. Um, obviously, Hogan is a good young quarterback. Um, I think he's going to be really good. I don't know if he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be really good. But outside of that, um, you know, they got a couple, uh, for lack of a better term, backup running backs that'll be starting this year. And then, you know, the tight end was their position the past three or four years, and they've got nothing there right now, at least in terms of proven talent. Um, and it's not even like Notre Dame, where we have uh, three tight ends that have at least seen the field and seen some live action. They're they're breaking in all new tight ends. Uh, their wide receiver core is extremely unproven. Um, so when I look at the spread, um, I, I, don't, I don't think it really fits. Um, they do have a great defense. I think by far and away it will be the toughest defense we face all season. But uh, when they have so many question marks and concerns on offense, um, I can see that line coming down a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, how big was the spread two years ago when we visited? Has it ever been this big for uh, a road game out there? I'm trying to remember. I thought it might have reached 10 when Luck was there, but I can't remember. That sounds right, but I don't have the exact memory but uh, to that. But I, I tend to agree that, that this is going to be one of the more interesting uh, trips out west we've made in a while because... Um, one of two things is going to be very, very true by then. Either our offense is clicking and that scary defense is going to um, you know, not pose the threat that I think a lot of people it is today. Or, you know, it's either it's good Tommy or bad Tommy, right? Uh, if we're in good Tommy land, um, that defense becomes a lot less scary because we'll be a very balanced offense. Um, if not, all bets are off, right? But, but uh, that's how it goes. Paul, what do you see in that game and, and what are you looking for uh, as, as the Irish head out to, to meet the Cardinal? I think beyond everything else, I think we're going to know a lot about Stanford really early on in the season. Um, they they do start against you know a couple cream puffs, but they have a, a a pretty rough slate leading into us. I mean, they start just as a starter. They they I think the late September twenty first they play Arizona State at home, and I think that's going to be a good game to eyeball if you're a Notre Dame fan because you'll be able to see a lot about both teams very early on in the season and sort of give you a benchmark but they have a pretty rough schedule um, uh, they're at USC they have to play um, they have to play Oregon at home they do get a bye before that but they, 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 they have to play they get home Arizona State but they're at Oregon State they're at USC they're at Utah a team they lost to last year uh, so it, it, it's it's going to be, um, or I lie, they didn't lose to them last year. They haven't played them yet. Um, but the last time they played, they lost, uh, which was uh, maybe a long time ago. I'm looking at my notes. It's like in the 90s. But the the, the teams that they have leading up to us are going to actually give us a very good uh, sense uh, of where we stand. I'm not so sure it's a five-and-a-half-point spread, for Stanford. Now, I, I'm looking at this with my Notre Dame fan glasses on, but I'm with Eric. Uh, their defense notwithstanding, their offense has some big 
uh, question marks. And I had actually wrote down in my notes, tight end, tight end, tight end, because it, it, it's going to be interesting whether or not they can get their tight ends in space, whether or not these guys, having been broken in in, in one season by the time they reach us, if they're going to be up for blocking, how injuries are going to affect them. I think their depth at that position is going to be very interesting to look at. But I don't think the spread is what it is. I think it's going to tighten up by by the end of the year. But how we do is also going to reflect that. Amen. Amen. But, guys, that is, uh, interestingly enough, months and months and months from now. Oh, it'll Let's be here quickly. I, I, I agree. But what's going, <laughs> to be here, what's going to be here even quick, more quickly, my friend, is... Uh, is opening day against Temple Owls. So, Eric, why don't you give me a quick rundown of what you see in the Owls and, and maybe give us a, a quick capsule on the preview of that game. Yeah, sure. Uh, we're taping this late on a Thursday night. Um, so uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be Monday uh, at the earliest. Um, so it'll be their first visit to Notre Dame Stadium. Obviously, it's their first game against Notre Dame overall. Um they have a new head coach, Matt Rule. Uh, he was previously at Temple a few years ago. Um, he first started there under Al Golden, and then he stayed with Temple when Steve Adazio took over when Golden went to Miami. And last season, Rule was assistant offensive line coach for the New York Giants. Um, he's kind of changing their offense a little bit, um, making them more pro style, you know, pass a lot more on first down. Temple was known to run the ball and then run the ball and then run the ball a lot last year. Um, so you'll see a little bit uh, different offense for Temple. Um, they're also mixing in some spread concepts as well. Um, they were 2-5 and five last year in the Big East, which wasn't a very good season for them. It was the first year in the Big East after being in the MAC for a few years. Um, they did win their first two games in conference last year. They beat South Florida and UConn. Uh, for a program like Temple, you know that's pr two pretty good, pretty good wins for them. Um, but after that, it was all downhill. They lost to uh, the rest of the teams in the Big East, and uh, their only other two victories on the season were Villanova and Army. Uh, they only did play 11 games last year, I believe, with a conference switch. They kind of lost a, a game in there, so only 11, 11 games for them last year. Um, but uh, you know, this isn't a really strong program. I don't think they're quite as terrible as a lot of people think they are. Um, they did win 26 games from 2009 to 2011. Um, again, that was in the MAC, so it wasn't top competition. But, um, you know, you could definitely make a case that this team is inside the top 100 in college football. Um, I think Rule's going to do a pretty good job at Temple. He's already recruiting really well. Uh, he's already got 18 verbals uh, for 2014. I'll just take a quick look at the roster. Um, I'll have a preview next Thursday. Uh, the countdown on the site. Um, but uh, They just named Connor Riley their starting quarterback. He'll be making his first career start. He's a redshirt junior. Um, he was the only two-sport male athlete at Temple. He was, I think, the catcher for their baseball team, but he's since quit baseball to focus on being the quarterback. Uh, Riley just beat out Clinton Juice Granger, who's a senior. Um, it was rumored a couple weeks ago that a true freshman P.J. Walker might have, might start, but uh, it looks like uh, Walker fell to third in the race. 
At running back, they have a bunch of questions. They're losing both of their running backs from last year, um, possibly starting a true freshman there as well. They also have a fullback, Kenneth Harper, who could see some carries at running back. Um, obviously, with a new head coach and this not being a top program, Rule's been moving a lot of guys around. Uh, he's moved their returning tight end to left tackle, which is very strange. He's also moved another tight end who would have been second uh, in line to start to defensive end. Um, wide receiver, they are they lost two of their starters, so only one returning there. Um, if you read a lot of the previews on Temple, that's probably one of the big question marks for them, especially as they try to uh, open up the passing game a little bit more. They just have a lot of young receivers uh, who haven't caught a lot of passes in a very conservative offense. Um, just looking at their lines, I think they're pretty solid on their lines. I think that might surprise some people next Saturday. Um, I still think we're going to have our way with them, but I don't think we're going to completely destroy them. Um, the way we did with a team like Western Michigan a couple years ago. and um, Pretty good size overall. There's a couple 300-pounders on their defensive line. Um, most of the guys are 280 or above. It's not going to be like that game against Western Michigan where they're trotting out 215-pound defensive ends or 250-pound defensive, end, uh, defensive tackles. Excuse me. Um, really good linebacker core. They're young, got all their starters coming back. A couple of good players there. They got both their corners coming back, but uh, a lot of questions at safety. I was just reading something uh, a couple of days ago where uh, head coach Matt Rule was pretty concerned about their safeties. They still hadn't um, figured out who's going to start there at all, and there's you know five or six guys still jockeying for playing time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the game plan for Notre Dame is. Um, obviously, you're probably going to run the ball a lot and get Reese um, nice and comfortable, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we take advantage of some of their weaknesses at safety as well. So, uh, yeah, that's my mini preview for now. Great, great. So let me ask you, Paul, then, is this Temple game, you know, harking back to our previous conversation, is this Temple game really the easiest game on, ND, on Notre Dame's schedule this year? Originally I was going to say yes, but I, I'll adjust that, and I actually think Purdue or Air Force may end up being... The, the easier games because I think with with the exception of um, with the exception of, of, of last year in in Ireland with Navy our teams kind of have uh, some struggles we, we we lost to South Florida and we struggled against Purdue in Kelly's first year and uh, Temple has this knack for, uh, and if you look at the scores of their their games last year, uh, there are teams that they just won't go away against. Um, they played Maryland really tough, and being a Maryland native and having to watch that game on local TV here, uh, they just pounded the ball. They ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And when you adjust your offense the way that I, they're going to, at least attempt to adjust. I think they're going to have some trouble against us, though. Um, they do. Uh, they did keep three. Matt, Coach Rule, uh, Matt Rule, did keep uh, three of the previous assistants uh, behind uh, the tight ends coach, the running backs coach, and the D backs coach. Um, so there is some familiarity there. Uh, but the other fun fact that I found out. Um, is that Phil Snow, his defensive coordinator, actually coached against Notre Dame before 
Uh, he was the defensive coordinator in 2004 for Washington when they played uh, at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame won 38-3. He came from, most recently, Eastern Michigan, where his the passing defense struggled uh, and for, for Eastern Michigan. The running defense was pretty stout, but but their, their passing defense did struggle. And, and I think... Um, uh, uh, or I may have that backwards, but the, the defense, was, regardless, was having trouble on the edges. And I think when you have the concerns that their secondary has right now, I think you're going to see a lot of pistol. I think you're going to see a lot of running, uh, much in the same way that we did against uh, Navy last year. Uh, but in no way do I actually think this is going to be the easiest game. I think the easiest game is going to be down the road when the team... Uh, gets familiar with playing with each other when some of the new players uh, shake off that emotion of first game jitters. Okay, Paul. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn you into to Chuck Martin. Okay, you're you're Chuck Martin. You're getting ready to go into this game. What are you looking to achieve? You know, what is kind of your goal sheet uh, for the offensive side of the ball in this season opener? What are you looking for? What are you hoping to see from these guys uh, in their first time out? I'm hoping to minimize mistakes, first off. I think when you have uh, a, a fresh running back in George Atkinson, or we may potentially see Greg Bryant, a, a new new running back back there, that you want to make sure that they're protecting the football. You want to make sure that Tommy behind uh, behind the, behind center is is not turning into bad Tommy, that he sticks being with being good Tommy, Stanford Tommy, that he's making good decisions, that he's putting the ball in right spots, that he's recognizing everything. And then on defense, simply focusing on fundamentals, wrapping up tackling, making sure that you're limiting the available yards. Yeah, so Paul, Paul stole a little bit of my question for you, Eric, but besides from having a phenomenal you know, head of hair and some great quotes and press conferences. I'm going to make you Bobby D, Eric. Uh, you're Diaco. What do you want to see out of the defensive side of the ball in this season opener? Well, after kind of saying that Temple might not be as horrible as everyone thinks, uh, I'm going to throw this big one out there and just say shut out. Um, I definitely think this is a team that Notre Dame should hold under 10 points. Um, Agreed. But I just, you know, I had a list of a few things that I wanted to look for in this game. And obviously it shouldn't be close, so there's not going to be anything, uh, you know, terribly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's nothing too major that I want to see in this game. Um, so defensively I thought a shutout would be nice. I think that's a, a realistic goal. Um, and then just to go through a couple other things, uh, like Paul said, uh, no turnovers. Obviously, it's not going to be a huge deal if there's one or two, but if there's more than that, that's going to be um, a topic for discussion heading into Michigan. The other thing is good special teams. Um, I know I spent most of the summer kind of talking about how punt return really isn't that important. However, it would be nice if we see a spark there or something different. Um, you know, if it's just one good punt return or one good kick return and uh, more specifically with the, the special teams, I'm hoping to see um, the punting game go smoothly. I hope we don't have any problems there. I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, so, so I have some good news for you there, my friend. Uh, yeah. I had managed to listen to Brian Kelly's press conference today, and he was specifically asked about punt return, 
and TJ Jones going back there. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy the answer. And for those of you who haven't seen Eric's article on the punt return, I would definitely go check it out. Um, Kelly answered that he was in punt safe in a lot of situations with the defense on the field last year, where this year he is expecting to put a return team on. Uh, and he actually noted that one of the biggest difference in this year's return teams is TJ Jones's willingness and desire to be that punt returner. That uh, in past Notre Dame teams, the punt return duty has kind of fallen to the to the guy who draws the short straw. And uh, TJ is looking at this as a big opportunity. He's being vocal and enthusiastic about it, and that's actually drawing more first-line talent, starter-level talent guys to want to be on that punt return team. So I'm hoping, uh, along with you, that we're going to see some good things out of punt return and special teams this year. Maybe a little bit uh, more uh, attempts at returns than fair catches this year. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Um, you know, if it turns out we're still not very good at punt return, but we're still winning games, you know, I'm not going to have a big <laughs> problem with that. But um, I think oh, John, yeah, Jones is going to be a pretty good fit there. Uh, he's quick. He'll make the first guy miss. He can weave his way through traffic. Uh, he's tough, um, and I think um, most importantly, he's smart. So, yep. sure-handed and fearless would be the two things that I'm looking for him to be back there. And I think he's got a good reputation for being both. Yep. So, okay, guys. So, not that I have any sort of friends living in Vegas who I might maybe I just let's just say I have a friend who happens to have a line in Vegas and is is looking at this one. I want to ask you both this question. Do you see Notre Dame covering the the 30-point spread first and second? The over-under is at 52. Um, you know, for those of you calling um, calling for shutout, you know, are you bet? What do you, what are you guys betting? Are you betting the Irish to cover, and are you betting the over or the under? Yeah, that's that's a lot of points. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure why that spread uh, got so large over the summer. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's Temple's quarterback situation or whatever, but uh, I really, if if I was in Vegas, I don't think I would put money down on the Irish to cover. But um, if you're just asking me right now if I think they co cover, I think they will. Um, I just don't see Temple scoring enough points, and I think we're going to wear them down and end up in the 35 to 40 point range, and probably just enough to cover the spread. And I would, I don't know if I would bet that over. I'd probably take the under. What about you, Paul? I'm. What's the over/under again? It's fifty-two and a half, my friend. Yeah, um, that's, that's what I said. That's a lot of points. It's like they want you to take the under. Um, the only way it would get above that is if Temple would score a garbage touchdown or something like that. But I think when you look at it again on paper and the the way that the teams responded during fall camp, it, it's it's very hard to see how this won't be a blowout. Um, the, the the familiarity that that you have with Reeves and the comfortability that you you have with that, uh, it's I'm with Eric. I mean, it could very well be a shutout. I, I think the the thing that Notre Dame needs to do is to make sure that they don't keep Temple in the game, and that sort of goes back to what I said about minimizing the mistakes. Is that you just want to make sure that 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 you you put this game away. You do what you did last year. Is that you just keep winning. And, and you know, th doing what we did against Wake Forest, the 38 to zero is not out of the realm of possibility. But I, I would definitely, I, I'm right now. I pick Notre Dame to cover. And my gut instinct is that ND is going to cover this. But the over/under, uh, 
you got to take the under unless you think that Temple's going to score a touchdown or two. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I've got the cover, um, but I'm going to go Notre Dame 42, Temple 7, uh, which would put us just barely on the under. Um, but hey, that's enough about the Owls and big covers and getting our heads off full of big stuff like that. Let let let's let's we started this podcast, guys, looking at the macro in terms of our schedule, looking outside the program. I want to spend our last segment here together uh, going back to the macro but turning the lens inside. And what I'm going to do, and we're going to do this in, in somewhat rapid-fire succession, but I want both of you to weigh in. I'm going to go through a position group. What I want to understand from you guys is where would you rate or grade that position group relative to Notre Dame's goal, which is BCS championship level football. You know, where do we fall on that scale? Is it a position group that's that that meets that expectation or lower than that expectation in your estimation right now? And then I want you to tell me the trend line on that group. So maybe you're saying, hey, these group, this group's very average, but they've got a lot of upside, or hey, this group looks really good, but one injury and they're done. I want to hear from each of you in each group, kind of where you're feeling on on, on each of these, and I'm going to rapid fire, kind of go through all of them. Uh, but let's start at, at the, the most visible position at Notre Dame, which is the man under center. Uh, talk to me about what you think about the quarterbacks. Where are they at? Where's the trend line going? Eric, fire away. All right, with well, a grade, I gave the quarterbacks a B-. minus. Um, I feel like Reese has to prove to us that he can protect the ball. Um, I'm confident that he's going to be able to move the ball and put up some good numbers. Um, I think uh, to the, on the potential scale, I gave this group a, a poor rating just because, you know, Reese isn't offering any mobility. Um, I don't think the coaching staff has a whole lot of confidence in Hendricks, and um, it doesn't look like Zaire is going to be able to play, so it's looking like Reese, uh, unless he gets injured. Um, but if he protects the ball, I think that grade could get up to a B, maybe a B plus. Um, but for right now, I think it's just a little bit under average. Uh, I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's where I have him. I'd go, I'd go a little bit lower than you. I'd say C plus. Um, again, the loss of Golson, sort of the offseason loss of Keel, kind of dro- dropped the, the 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 talent at the position down. Uh, I like Zaire, but again, it doesn't look like Zaire is going to play, so that leaves. Rees and Hendricks, and as as much as Hendricks has looked good, he's equally as parts look bad. And Tommy's penchant for uh, turning the ball over as given. I'm I pretty much agree with Eric. It's just poor to me. Uh, the, he, you, you, it's more you have to show uh, that you're able to manage a complete game, that you're able to minimize the turnovers, minimize the mistakes, and just plan all four quarters out uh, to, to put together a complete game. So for me, it's C+. I agree. I, I think it's it's going to be a very, very interesting year, although there's part of me that kind of laughs and, and pictures Brian Kelly as the ultimate Internet troll, and I can see him telling Chuck Martin to call one of those crazy backwards swing passes the first uh, call from center, have Tommy overthrow a guy and see if they can melt the Internet. Um, next Saturday, but but I but I digress. I I do think that's a, an interesting position for us. I think it's one of those where if I'd have asked this question five minutes after the Alabama game, we would have one answer, and uh, here we are 
a five you know or a few days before the Temple game having a very different answer. Um, similarly, I think one of the positions that's gone, undergone a lot of evolution is running back. So Eric, talk to me about the running backs. Where do you think they're at, and where do you think they're headed? I gave him a B here. Um, not a whole lot of proven experience there. Um, we've kind of talked about GA3. Uh, would beat that whole thing to death over the summer. Um, I think he kind of encapsulates the entire running back core with that B grade. Tons of talent, um, tons of potential, but we have to see it all come together. Um, the, the potential grade I gave him is great. I think they, as a unit, probably have more potential than any other on the team, um, and I'm not going to be surprised if the running game is really good this year. Um, I know some people were kind of confused um, on our site with me kind of being skeptical of Atkinson but feeling really good about the running backs. But, you know, I feel really good about Carlisle. I feel really good about um, Bryant having an impact freshman year. I think um, Folston's going to do some nice things, and McDaniel's going to be there as a legitimate quality option as well. So I feel pretty good with the potential, but um, I wouldn't raise their grade just yet. Again, I'm right around you. I'd go B minus, uh, simply because we don't we, we lost both uh, into an extent both starters from the year before. So there's a, a little bit of unknown there. Um, but in terms of the trend lines, you just it's a sheer amount of talent at that position. Uh, between the, you you've got you know GA three who again you know we know what we know about him. But I I also like Carlisle a lot if he can stay healthy. Uh, everything that is being said about Greg Bryant sounds good, and I do like uh, the other freshmen I, I, that that are coming up. I like Folston, so I I think that there's a lot of depth at that position to bring the grade up. But right now, there's too many unknowns for me to just say this is this is a great great group of uh, of running backs. So uh, someone's going to have to step up, and and until they do, it's I'm sticking with uh, my B minus grade. Wouldn't this be a great position if we could stipulate to our opponent that we both have to start our third or fourth string running back? <laughs> I like our depth there a lot. But let's talk, guys, about the hosses clearing the way for the running backs. Talk to me about the offensive line. Where do you think they are? Where do you think they're headed? I give them a grade of A-. Um, uh, I tend to think, if you look like at Alabama's line last year, that's kind of an A++ offensive line. You don't see many lines like that. Um, over a five or ten year period, um, you know, replacing a couple starters, I don't think we can really be that great on the offensive line. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, I gave him a, a potential scale of great. Um, it always helps to have two players like Zach Martin and Chris Watt anchoring that left side. I like Nick Martin a lot. I think he's going to um, be as good or maybe a little bit better than Cave was uh, by the end of the season. And um, the other side of the line, you know, pretty confident in the players there. I think Stanley's going to be really good, and Lombard's pretty solid as well. Uh, I, I'm hoping that we don't have another game like Purdue last year where we just completely collapse uh, in the running game and protecting the quarterback. Um, against Alabama, it's more um, it's understandable, but um, I think this is probably going to be a season where we legitimately can run the ball on almost every opponent. I agree. Um, a minus for me. The the trend lines just again the the talent and the the next men in 
for me really stand out. Um, I, I like Stanley. I, I I like him a lot. I, I like the fact that you have at least three returning starters and other players that have played at least a little bit, uh, so there is some familiarity between all the players. Um, I like the fact that uh, you've got Martin and Watt right next to each other. I think there's no excuse that you shouldn't be able to run over the left side of the line this season. So I, I, I do like the fact that um, we have talent there, that we have depth there. I think we this is the most depth that we've had at offensive line in a long time. And, uh, I, yeah, A-minus for me. I think it's one of the stronger units uh, on the entire team. That's never a bad thing when the guys who are pushing up front are one of your strongest units. So let's uh, let's keep rolling then with, you know, tight end U has been our, our signature here for a while. Um, how do you rate this year's group of tight ends, and, and where, where are they headed, Eric? I'm a little more skeptical of this unit uh, than most, I'd say. Um, I gave him a grade of B. Uh, with a potential scale of good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do better than that. Um, but I just have to see to believe it. I need to see Welch stay healthy. Um, we've been hearing some good things about Koyak, um, but he hasn't really done a whole lot throughout his career. Um, and I do like Nicholas a lot, um, but again, I think if you were to look at it objectively, he had some struggles last year. He played well at times. Um, Obviously, he was in Eifert's shadow, and he'll have to step up this year. Um, but uh, you have to like the talent. You have to like the size. Um, I just I need to see them be an integral part of the blocking game and pick up that slack left by Eifert before I would uh, raise either of those grades. I'm also going to go with B simply because I think the drop-off uh, from... Nicholas to uh, Welch or Koyak um, is, and further down is is pretty big. Um, but I do also like a good trend line. Um, their practice reports on, uh, I guess, Jerem Smith, Smith, I think it's Smith, um, have been pretty good. Uh, and we do have some freshmen at the position that, that have the potential to contribute. But as long as Koyak can stay healthy... Um, and as long, I mean, Nicholas, just if you look at his size, it's you're talking another NFL tight end there. But if another tight end is able to step up uh, until then, it's it's uh, I agree pretty much with everything Eric said. Man, I tell you what, I'm gonna sound like a homer for a minute, but when Hercules is getting his All America award at the end of the year, you <laughs> guys will definitely be saying a a on this one. Let's uh. Let's keep going with the guys who are, are tasked with catching the ball. Talk to me about our wide receiver position, guys. Where do you see where do you see the receivers, Eric, as a unit? Oh, I'm so excited for this unit. Um, I gave him a B plus um, with a potential of good. Um, I kind of would maybe make that a good slash great potential. Um, I think one of the more annoying things about our fan base is we kind of dismiss the receiving core if there isn't a Michael Floyd type there. But uh, I just love T.J. Jones and uh, DeVaris Daniels as a one-two punch. And from all the reports through fall ball, it looks like Chris Brown's going to be a real factor. Um, and then you look at a couple of the young players stepping up. Core Robinson has been looking unbelievable in some of these tapes. I mean, I was a huge doubter of him in this recruiting class, and he's just blowing people away. 
Uh, James Onwalu is looking really good. Um, it's not a crazy deep unit. Um, we'll have to see what CJ Procise can offer there. Um, but like I said, you don't see very many one-two punches around the country like TJ Jones and DeVarce Daniels, and I think Daniels is going to have a huge year. And um, I think it might may sound crazy, but I think he's going to get some uh, leaving early talk by the end of this year. I'm actually also going to go uh, along the same lines as you, and this is where I'm a homer at. I actually picked these guys at an A- minus with uh, a great potential um, because I... I like you, I really like Jones, I really like Daniels, and I actually could see them becoming, you know, the second coming of Tate and Floyd. Uh, just a small speedster who runs intelligent routes, and then just a big wide receiver that, that is really good in space. And I uh, I do like Chris Brown a lot. I, I loved him even more after he made the catch against Oklahoma. And it it's worth mentioning Corey Robinson, because when uh, David Robinson, the star basketball player father gave an interview he said he didn't think his son was done growing yet so and you're talking about a guy who's already 6'3 6'4 6'5 around there so if he's going to get bigger uh, he's definitely a guy to watch uh, definitely on the uh, perimeter couldn't agree more Eric what's my favorite term when we talk about Corey Robinson catch radius I believe Catch radius, baby. You were going to be talking catch radius. I think this guy's going to see at least a couple of touchdowns in the red zone. Um, all reports are that Reese is actually learning to throw the fade much better. And when you have a you know guy of Robinson's size and and my favorite word, catch radius, uh, is is definitely an asset down in the red zone. Did you so, catch? Did you catch the uh, practice video today? He had a, another unbelievable catch at the end of that one. Oh, now I know what I'm going to be turning on as soon as I get done taping this with you guys. I think it's the last highlight. Great catch. Oh, fantastic. He's got a, the guy's got a whole uh, library of them already. Yep. But let, let's flip sides of the ball, guys. Let's jump over to the other side, and, and let's keep the giddy train rolling here because I want you to start with uh, with the defensive line. Talk to me about what you think about our, 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 our hosses up front on defense. Well, I gave him a grade of A. Um, I don't think it's any surprise. You look at our starters, it's potentially the best uh, defensive line in the country with two at Knicks and an emerging day. Um, I don't think you can go any higher than that because of the depth uh, with the Hount shell injury. That's, I wouldn't say devastating, but that hurts quite a bit. Um, or not Hount shell, I mean Springman, excuse me. And uh, behind that, I think there's a bunch of questions. Uh, there's solid talent, but... Uh, um, Besides Schwinky, who I think is going to turn in a pretty solid senior season, you know, we're going to have to see how some of these kids shape up. Um, I hope Jones emerges a little bit. I don't think he's going to make a big impact right away. Um, the coaches obviously love Isaac Rochelle. I think he's going to be playing a lot um, right away. But um, I think the potential for that group is only good just because of the depth. But obviously, uh, who knows what numbers to it and Nixon Day are going to put up. They could possibly break some school records so anytime you can say that um, I don't think you can complain too much but I would like to see a little bit better depth I agree uh, I when you when you look at it um, I'm pretty much along the same lines as you with regards to your grading I, I think on right now as it stands it's probably the best unit of all of the positions um, I, I 
I'll actually go as far as saying it is the best unit of all the positions. I mean, when you have guys like Day, Tuit, and Nix right there on the front that are the that are just big, they're talented, they have experience, and above everything else, they have leadership. I think having leaders on your line uh, really set the tone for the rest of the team because it, it goes from everyone behind them. They're leading from the front in many way, more ways than one. Um, I think the depth also is an issue. Um, I would have raised it from good to great uh, if Springman hadn't gotten hurt. Um, and there are there are some guys that need to prove themselves. Jones and Rabasa, Isaac Rochelle, who everyone... Uh, who all the coaching staff is singing their praises of, but I know they didn't want to necessarily play him this season, but it looks like they're going to have to. Uh, so uh, as long as you have guys like Schwenke that's able to spell Knicks really well, uh, some of the other players and some of the youth, I, I think if Rochelle shows that he can uh, step up and, and contribute, um, this uh, ha- this this unit has potential, but it's pretty thin right now on experience beyond uh, the three starters. Agreed. So let's 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 peel the next layer of the defense off and talk about linebackers. What do you guys see behind that defensive line? What do you like? What do you don't like about the linebacking crew? Well, I give them a grade of B minus. Um, I might even go to a C plus. I think in recent weeks I've been kind of um, de- not depressed. I guess I'd be a little bit depressed. Uh, the spawn injury obviously isn't great, um, and I think the only reason I would give him that grade that high is because of Shembo. Um, I think he's an elite player at his position. Uh, just looking at the middle linebacker core, um, I'm a little disappointed that Grace hasn't taken the bull by the horns. Um, I'm not sure if it's anything to worry about right now, but I would have felt a little bit better if he was in the mix. It sounds like Calabrese and Fox are going to be playing yeah, a lot, an, a lot an, more than him. A notice, noticeable drop-off in the werewolf talk. That's um, right. Which is, is surprising. Mm-hmm. And then with the spawn injury, obviously that kind of hurts the grade, although I'm super excited to see Jalen Smith. I think he's going to be dynamic um, right from the start. Um, I think I already mentioned it on a previous podcast. I think he's going to be a lot like Teo um, as a freshman. Um, he might not be uh, have quite a big of an impact, but I think right from that first snap, you're going to notice how athletic he is, and I think we're going to see a couple plays every game of him making just crazy athletic plays. And I like Council a lot too. Um, I'm not sure what to think about him possibly um, – being still on second team behind Jalen Smith, but uh, that could just mean Jalen's that good. But uh, overall, I, just, I don't know. I I don't really like our middle linebackers that much right now. You know, e, uh, Kelly made an interesting point in his press conference today. He said that he saw Smith as being the kind of player that against offenses that like to utilize space and want to spread the field, um, that Smith's athleticism would serve us well there, but teams that want to go with fullback or, or go in heavy lineups or, you know, really challenge the point of attack, that that's really where he saw Council's strength. So uh, he definitely um, made it clear to the media today that he thought those guys were um, not one and two, but much more A and B and situational. Yeah, that's how I saw it too. Um, 
based on the remarks and simply, you know, size that council's kind of bigger and can and can you know lock things up and, and Smith has certainly more athleticism. Um, but as as kind of going with what Eric said, um, again I'm gonna go with a, a, a C plus with this unit. Um, solely for the, the, the loss of Spond, I think dropped me from a, a B minus to a C plus because uh, having leadership back there and, and veteran leadership at that uh, would have definitely helped. But the fact that Grace hasn't gotten past Calabrese uh, sort of, I don't want to say it's alarm bells, but it's certainly uh, troubling to me to based on you know his performance in the spring game and, and, and the, the practice reports, I would have expected him to step up, but... Uh, right now, it does look like Calabrese and Fox are going to play. Um, also, the depth behind Fox concerns me. Um, uh, the, I just think there's a big talent drop-off there. And if one of our guys goes down, um, that side of the linebacking course, certainly you have to take a look at. Do you slide Council over and play Smith and Council on the sides? Uh, do you play Kendall Moore? Do you bring in a freshman? How does that work? Um, so a, not a lot of, uh, um, with the exception of Shembo and Ishak Williams, there's not really a lot of things I feel comfortable about uh, with regards to our linebackers. And this is probably a good good time to throw a quick just a uh, little bit in here about Spond. I mean, I think you, you talk about a guy who, um, you know, for myself as an alumni, a guy who represented the university with a lot of class, uh, presented himself well to the media and to the community around the university and is really handling what sounds like just a really bad set of circumstances with a lot of class and grace. I think uh, Notre Dame fans everywhere, you know, Ospond, um, a real debt of gratitude and, 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 and a lot of well wishes for him in, in what you know, hopefully is a, is a healthy and productive future. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. So let's 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 jump to the back of that defense. Um, talk to me, Eric, about how you see the secondary shaping up. Well, I gave him a grade of B with the potential of great. Um, I feel really good about this unit. Um, I love Kavari Russell. I think he's going to be um, potentially the best corner we've seen in Notre Dame in ten years or so. Um, lots of depth, lots of bodies. Um, I love that they are really confident about. Confident with Cole Luke already. Um, as far as the safeties are concerned, um, I like Shoemate a lot. I think his athleticism and his speed is going to be great for the back end of the defense. Um, I wasn't too excited to see that Collinsworth was running with the ones today in practice. Um, obviously, that's probably going to be more of a, a leadership and a, a bit of a smarter player there, but. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about the lack of athleticism if it's Collinsworth and Farley back there. But uh, overall, I don't really have too many concerns there. I, I love the potential. Um, I love our two starting corners. Um, and I haven't even mentioned Max Redfield. Who knows what he's going to throw? Uh, who knows what he's going to do this year? Um, yeah, overall, I, just, I love what we have in the secondary. I'm going to go B-plus with a great. Um, simply, I just... If Collinsworth does play, I don't think it's necessarily that 
that. I, I, I do think having the leadership there uh, does help. Uh, having sort of the, the savvy, I guess, back there, if the, that's a term, um, does help our defense, having a leader on the back. Um, I don't think that means that Shoemaker's not going to play either. I think you're going to probably see a platoon. Um, or it may have just been a product of Collinsworth playing with uh, the ones just that day. Uh, it, who knows what, what is really going on there. Um, but just the depth that we have uh, at that position is certainly good. Um, I liked Redfield when he, was in, when he was coming out of high school to Notre Dame, and I like him even better now that he's on campus and that he's showing that he is as advertised. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I just simply because of the, the guys behind Shoemate, I think that's probably why Collinsworth may have slid over. Um, because behind Shoemate, I, I guess you have, uh, I guess Hardy or Badger that that you may that Kelly may have just felt more comfortable putting more depth on that side because he feels comfortable enough that Redfield could be the next man in behind uh, Farley. So I do like this position a lot. I think the potential for them is great um, on the cornerback, and uh, I really like Kivari Russell. Uh, I actually would have liked Kivari Russell to end up being the punt returner, uh, which will, I obviously will get to special teams, but um, over Jones. Uh, but I do like him. I do like the fact that you have uh, returning senior uh, and Bennett Jackson, and the fact that Cole Luke uh, is uh, is sort of gaining uh, a lot of uh, uh, praise in the fall camp. I think it bodes well for that position. I think. Um, just the, the talent that you have at the position in terms of depth, that you're able to feel comfortable about your nickel back and that you're able to feel comfortable about your dime package, I think really shows the strength of that uh, of, of that entire group. What a difference a year makes, huh? It's amazing. That's right. Um, one thing, uh, just a quick observation on the safeties, it would be interesting to get your guys' thoughts about. This staff seems to be building a mountain of evidence that says... They're perfectly willing to shift who's running with the ones and the twos and the and the you know it's not it's a very fluid kind of chart and one day you may even be sitting all the way out of practice. Um, do you guys you know it, it, are, it, do we as fans and kind of watchers of the media around this team pay too much attention to who's running with the ones or twos at any given time? Is that is are we overanalyzing? Or could you ever overanalyze? Right? Hey, this is fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think it depends on the position. Uh, I don't think it's terribly surprising with a safety position. Um, like Paul said, they're probably going to rotate Collinsworth and Shoemate. And it, it could be a lot like uh, Council and Jalen Smith. You know, it depends on who we're playing. Probably see Collinsworth sure. against the, the more pass-heavy teams, a bit of a safer option as a free safety. Um, and then you might have Shoemate who is making his rep known in practice as a hard-hitting, you know, flying down to the uh, line and making tackle safety. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you can ever overanalyze anything too much. But uh, <laughs> There is no overanalyzing. Otherwise, no. why would we be here? And why would you, our dear audience, still be listening at this point along? So let's, let's, let's move on, guys, to the last unit, which is special teams. And uh, interesting tidbit today on the special teams before we get into your grades. Uh, Brian Kelly remarked to the media that he's asked Brinza to be the punter. 
and focus on that and not focus on place kicking. So um, he, he was very, very high on Brenza's potential as an All-American punter. So um, talk to me not just about the punt team, uh, guys, but talk to me about how you see the overall special teams unit uh, shaping up. Well, I gave him a grade of C um, with a potential of good. Uh, I like our... Uh, Kick our kick protection and punt protection. I think they've been pretty solid there throughout the whole entire Kelly era, and with the increased depth, um, I don't think we'll see anything different there. Um, obviously, lots of question marks with the return game. Um, if the blocking's a little bit better, I think uh, Atkinson is going to break a couple long runs. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he's moved out of that position at some point. Um, punt return, we've already gone over it. I think Jones is going to do a little bit better there. Um, who knows if it's going to be 80 total yards or if we're going to get over 100 yards or whatever, but I think we'll see some improvement there. My biggest concern really is the kicking game, um, the place kicking. I I think people were kind of surprised with what Kelly said today, but I was kind of comforted by the fact that Brins is not going to be shouldering the load um, for all three duties. Um, obviously has a huge leg, and I think that's what um, Kelly loves about him as a punter. Um, I think I read somewhere they might think about using Brinza as the long punter and Wolfeck as the more uh, situational short punter, um, which I'm totally fine with. And, uh, you know, I like I like Tausch as a place kicker. I think people have kind of forgot about him. He's a really good kicker in the past. Um, I don't think he really has uh, long range. I think he... I don't know if he ever kicked anything under over, over 50 at all, but... Uh, um, you know, it could be worse. I think they have to prove that they can get the job done. Um, I thought Brinza was pretty clutch last year, so I'm hoping that Tausch can kind of carry that mantle, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Brinza comes in for some of the longer kicks and uses his big leg. I'm actually going to go with uh, B uh, with, with, again, a good potential here. Um I think a, a lot of people are kind of writing off Tausch, um, but before his injury, I guess it was Ruffer that may have ended up eventually replacing him, that he, he was pretty solid back there, that he, he was very accurate, and uh, again, before his injury. Um, I do also find comfort with the fact that Brins is just being tasked with punning. Um, I think with any type of kicker... Uh, you want to be conscious of uh, hip flexor injuries. We don't. I'm, I'm not sure offhand whether or not Brins is a straight leg punter or not, uh, which also may show why Wolfek is uh, coming in being uh, the situational punter. Um, I'm. I'm. The only thing that's holding me down from liking this unit. Uh, is the punt return. I think there's a lot of unknowns about the punt return. I did like that Kelly said in his press conference today that they're going to, I think his phrase was, we're going to be more aggressive uh, with with the punt game, with the punt return, uh, which I did like, but until I see it, I mean, oh, he, was, he said that, uh, what was it, a couple years ago against South Florida, and we bobbled a couple returns and had some trouble back there that that sort of led us to fair catching for the rest of the season. So until we take chances, uh, I'm going to hold back on giving this uh, this unit a, a more solid grade. Uh, but I also do like our kick return. I do like our kicking game. Um, 
but again, a lot of unknowns at the punting position. And uh, really, the the, sh- the big comfort I have is uh, is in is frankly in our kicker right now. Great. All right, guys. So we've looked at the schedule, we've looked at the first opponent, and we've looked at our entire uh, roster and broken it down. Any last thoughts from you two as we launch into our very first game week of the the 2013 football season? No, I don't have anything to say besides. Uh... Fans can go ahead and subscribe on iTunes to our podcast. And um, for those of you who didn't know, Paul has joined our staff. He hasn't published anything yet on our site, but uh, he will be shortly. (laughs) He joined us as a football writer, and he'll also be doing some uh, lacrosse coverage as well. Being from Maryland, he knows all about it. And uh, we're really excited for the future, really excited for the season, and uh, can't wait to talk some real football. Make sure you also uh, leave reviews on iTunes because the more reviews that you end up leaving um, and the more ratings, uh, the higher it'll jump. So uh, be sure to uh, subscribe and and give us a review. All right, folks, you heard it here first. Get out on OFD. It's game week, people. Get out on OFD, read, subscribe, comment, get this podcast. Give us all your wonderful feedback there. We love it. Um, So that's it for episode six. This is Joe Schuler for Paul and Eric signing off. Uh, Thanks for everything you do, and we'll see you on OFD soon. Thanks.